0: All right, guys, welcome back to episode 1B of the MSRP podcast. I am your host, Jason Alois, along with my man, the co-host, Bobby Bench. We had to take a little break because our main man on the ones and twos, McKay, had tested positive for COVID. Thank the Lord he is 100% better now. He's ready to rock. He's ready to roll. He tried playing baseball, couldn't do it, but now he's back in the saddle. It's good to have you back, buddy. Uh, Thanks for having me back, and I'm feeling much better. Good. good Good to hear. Um, You know, and that brings up a great point uh, today, Bobby and I, you know, to open the show, we wanted to go ahead and focus on the positive outcomes that have happened due to COVID. And I think there's a lot of positives that we can look at. And I'm going to start with one is that I really think people have an appreciation for doing the little things now. For instance, the great resignation of 2020, 2021, where people say, you know what, I'm just so tired of sitting behind a desk from nine to five. I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to go out and seek what I want to do and I think you know, that's one of the main positives that I see happening with COVID. I think people also appreciate one another a lot more. I see it day in and day out, not on social media, obviously, you know, you see the worst of people. Um, But locally here in North Palm Beach from the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, I've seen a lot of good deeds being done just by, you know, there was the other day I was driving and there was an old lady crossing the street and this gentleman got out of the car and he literally helped this woman across the street. Now, I'm not saying that was because of covid but i'm saying i think people have a little bit more of appreciation for one another another thing i see bobby is is a love for movies and we're going to get into top gun maverick because i saw it and it was amazing um i think people appreciate going to the movies a little bit more i think pe- people appreciate going to a stadium a little bit more and i think that's only going to get better
1: what do you think i i agree i think at the onset you saw some people as far as movies like there was this weird contingent of people, and it's probably the same people that wanted baseball to die with the player's strike, was also wanting movie theaters to die. If you don't like going to the movie theaters, then don't go. But people like me, I love it. And I think people appreciate just being able to go out and be in a crowd and have an experience together. I think right. that's what comes to people you know, wanting to get out, help people cross the street, just realizing, hey, there's kind of a fragility to life that has been brought back into perspective. So appreciate the time you have appreciate it with, and around others. And let's all experience this together because we're all in this together. It wasn't that individualized. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what you're doing. It's like, Hey, we all experience this. It's a little bit of a solidarity moment for us.
0: Right. I love it. And you know, when it comes to movies, this is a good point. I I love going to the movies. I love getting there early. I will not go see a movie and my wife gets on me every single time. If I miss the previews, I need to see the previews. I think that's a part of the movie. I think that's a part of the whole process. I want to see what's coming out. I want to see how good those previews are going to be. And there's been times where we go to the movies, miss the previews. I'm like, I'm out. I'm not going. (laughs) I paid the, well, it's like 15 bucks now. Uh, We went to the matinee to go see Top Gun Maverick. But if I miss the previews, no dice. I think
1: the previews are like going to like being in time to the game for a first pitch on a national anthem. Or yeah. tip off, it's like, it's all part of the experience. You gotta be there for the full package. Otherwise you're not getting your money's worth. You
0: gotta have it, you you gotta have it. And, and you know, that's another good thing is, you know, I went to the movie, saw Top Gun Maverick, and the movie theater was absolutely packed. I thought it was great, I thought that slowly, One of the things that is coming back is movie theaters. And let me tell you something. I went to the one and this is a free plug for Cobb Theaters down in Palm Beach Gardens. They have reclining leather seats now. I was close to in in an action-packed movie falling asleep, you know, and I'm like, man, these are too comfortable. Now you're paying $15, $13, something like that. We went to go see the matinee. It was at 11 o'clock. My wife's like an 80-year-old. She's got to go to the early bird specials. She's got to go see the first, you know, showing of Top Gun Maverick that came out. So Um, They've done a great job, you know, of really redoing this and making it more comfortable for the consumer. Before you're together, the seats are dirty, there's gum everywhere, there's crap everywhere. But I got to tell you, this was pristine, this was perfect, and I'll definitely be going back to the movies.
1: Do you think that upgrade experience is maybe twofold? It's them really trying to get customers back into their seats, but also before, if you wanted to see a movie, you had to go to the movie theaters. Now with so many streaming services, so many options, like, hey, we're going to release this alternatively to more viewers in more seats. And now it's like, okay, we need to make this more comfortable than your couch at home. And uh, you still get the full experience of the big screen. There's certain movies that I would never wait to see on, at home because you need that full experience. Top Gun, you need the cinematic, oh, you, you need, need the audio engineering, but I'm sure that there are, you know, the theater up in Jupiter as well is doing that where it's the big lounge chairs side table waiter service and it's they got crazy. they got to say okay people are going to enjoy their own popcorn and couch at home we need to make this experience an upgrade from sitting at home
0: right and i think that's a really good point that you made too what, what hbo max did in 2021 is they knew that people weren't ready to go back to the theater so one prime example which was a huge disappointment was The Many Saints of Newark, the prequel to The Sopranos. That was one movie that they, it went straight to HBO Max. I think movie productions were smart where they said, you know what? People aren't ready to go back. Let's just, and very good for HBO Max. Let's just throw it straight to HBO Max. Let people get that experience of, hey, you're not going to go to the movie. We're going to bring the movie to you. But now that's over because the new Batman movie, which was phenomenal, by the way. Did you see it? I did not. Very dark. It's about as dark as the Batman you'll ever see. I thought it was great. Colin Farrell is, dude, his transformation to the Penguin is unbelievable. He doesn't look like, it's crazy. Anyways, it now came out, I think it was like 45 to 50 days after the theatrical release of Batman in the movie theaters. So I think they were smart by pulling people in, by taking it to HBO Max, then saying, hey, let's bring that movie theater experience back. We're not going to release it till about it's about 50 days old. So they know what they're doing. They're not stupid. The movie theaters, the movie productions, you know, I I, I really think it was it was good for everybody. And that's just one of the, the positives of COVID that we're going to talk about today. So other than that, we have a lot to lot to go through today. We've had two managers fired. Um within 60 games of the mlb season mckay was saying before the broadcast he was surprised with joe madden i'm actually not
1: what do you think i am not surprised but for not for the performance reasons i'm not surprised based on a formula that i've seen across baseball where the manager becomes the fall guy because more and more the manager is making less of the decisions he's the front man more than he's actually the manager and holding on to the team. The GM, the front office, they're in control. They got all the numbers, oh, they yeah. got all the mm-hmm. advanced metrics. They, they run the show. So to me, it was like I think both of those guys are good managers. I don't agree with them taking those particular roles. Joe Madden was not going to succeed based on the Los Angeles, where the Los Angeles Angels are running their franchise. Joe Girardi was not going to succeed based on what the Phillies are putting together as a team so even early season i says like the phillies are going to have probably like the highest slugging percentage for a team with a record below 500 right. just for that roster they put together the angels continue just like hey shohei otani albert pujols mike trout let's scoop up all these you know brand name players that isn't going to lead to wins i'm not surprised but it's i think it's the same sort of thing as what happened with the lakers team where it's like hey the manager, the coach, they're the fall guy now. It's an easy out. Say, so, hey, we're we're changing the face of that, and now we can get the fans back in the stands. Yeah, you know,
0: it's it's a great point that you you, you made there, Bobby. But you know, I'm obviously, you know, I'm a huge Girardi guy. Took the Yankees to a World Series in 09. I think the game has passed him by in the personal sense. Right? Yeah. He's not a babysitter, but he has to be. He's not a people person, but he has to be. He was fired in '17 because. Yes, he took that very young Yankees team within one game of the World Series, which they should have won. That's neither here nor there. We know the Astros cheated. They were using this, that, and the other. Garbage cans, buzzers, whatever. I think Girardi was really fired because he was trying to be that old school Casey Stengel manager or that Connie Mack manager that was, I'm the manager. You're going to listen to me. You're not going to do what you want to do. You're going to do what I want to say. This is coming from a guy. When he started out with the Marlins, he told the owner to go screw himself. You should do this, that, and the other. He looked at the man, uh, and he said, you know what? you. I'm not doing that. And then he fired him, even though he was, I believe he was manager of the year. So, do I think Girardi will get another shot? I think he will. Um, He's a baseball lifer. We all know that. But I think the game has passed him by. Before I get to Madden, there's one person who the game has not passed him by who is adjusting to the new era of baseball? And that man is uh, Buck Showalter. Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody loves
1: Buck, but he's never been to a World Series. You notice that? But I think he's he's still got that old school attitude, not only as a manager, but also as far as loyalty. Yeah, he was with he was with the Orioles through and through, and they made some good attempts to put a team together that just didn't quite pan out in that division. It's a tough division to be in. Right. But uh, No, he's he's one of those just good, wholesome guys that is always going to be around uh, the game. Who's also the uh, the manager for the Pittsburgh Pirates? Shelton. The um, old one, Clint
0: Hurdle? Clint Hurdle. Oh, you're talking about Hurdle. Yeah, yeah, yeah another
1: yeah. guy. It's just like he is one of those guys. He He can, I think, take a little bit more of that. Babysitter aspect into it, where he's going to tell you what you need to know, and be a very stern person when you need to hear it. Right. But he's also going to be there to be supportive, and maybe that's what you're saying Girardi lacked. Oh, a hundred
0: percent. I think that's why, because in '17 you had the baby bombers, and I think you're seeing a difference now with Boone. I was a huge critic of Boone when he first started, but you see with Boone now, I mean, these guys are playing with fire. These guys are the they're, they're, they're camaraderie is real. I mean, did you know that? Before a pitcher starts, you know, when he's warming up in the bullpen, all other four starters go out to the bullpen with him. They sit there with him. They watch him do his warm ups, And then they all walk out to the mound. Yeah, that's kind of like what the Cardinals used to do. I love it. I love it. I think it's great. Now, Now, as far as... Girardi goes, will he get another shot like I alluded to? I think he will. I think he's a great manager. I think he knows the game. He's a catcher. He was a great catcher. But I think that if he doesn't, you always want to improve. You know, I mean, that team was defensively probably the one of the worst in the league. Bullpen's a mess. But his specialty with the Yankees was the bullpen, right? I just think he didn't connect with their players. And if you heard Bryce Harper, he gave him a rim shot on... uh, You know, I think they interviewed Bryce after he hit the uh, game-tying Grand Slam in the eighth. I forget what day it was. Um, And they asked him, he goes, well, I'm glad that we finally can trust the young guys. And I think that was a little shot at Girardi. And the manager who took over for Girardi is Robbie Thompson, Rob Thompson. Uh, He was a third-page coach for the Yankees for a long time. I thought once they fired Girardi, this guy was going to be the next Yankee manager. But obviously, it was Boone. But now look what he's doing he's got a shot they haven't lost since he's been in there they won seven in a row game under 500.
1: How much do you think that's also in general I, I agree with you Girardi's going to get a shot I think he needs to pick his chance yes. and be more selective the same way you haven't seen a manager like John Farrell come back into the game because that opportunity hasn't arisen for him it's right. not just whatever the next best coaching opportunity is but also when Bryce Harper takes that little jab at his former manager so much now the players have more power more money yeah. more influence that they feel they don't have to listen to the manager they can take those jabs and the managers like the maddens and gerardys and like i said the Farrells of the league show walters they don't have as much influence because the players are making 30 million dollars a year why should they have to listen to anything right. that the manager saying
0: Right, and but I think you need that Buck Showalter mentality of, listen, guys, I got your back. You know, I'm not an analytics guy, but I got your back. You have mine, I'll have yours, and we're gonna. Then look at what they're doing. It's the Mets and Cohen, Steve Cohen. This guy is worth God knows what. He hired Showalter on the precipice of. Of okay, I know you're not an analytics guy, but I want you to fi- it was such a it was such a great hire because they changed the face of that franchise. So I think that was a great hire, and I think Show is adapting. Now, when it comes to Joe Madden, here's what I think happened. And I can I could revert back to a game in Texas, right? Oh yeah. Yep. It was Corey Seeger was walked with the bases loaded, and you could just see the disdain on Mike Trout's face. He was so livid. And, and we'll get to Larusa because he did something similar uh, that I've never that, seen before in my life. That was bad. He, you could see how mad Trout was, and then it played out again in New York when the Yankees swept the Angels. I've never seen Mike Trout be lazy. He was lazy, you know, routine single up the middle, and somebody took a double off him. I think it was Hicks. I don't know. I got to go back. I don't remember. And I was like, man, this guy is not hustling. And I think those guys in that clubhouse said, you know what, man? This guy is not the right guy. You know, and I think that plays, I think that looms large because A, he got fired. B, they just beat Boston last night to end their losing streak. Guys, it is hard. You know this more than anybody to lose 14 games in a row. I mean, that is hard. And I really believe that they didn't want to play for madden anymore madden to me and bobby i'll let you allude on it as well madden to me is one of those guys that you meet and you say man this guy's too smart for his own
1: good absolutely i've I've met him in person and you can tell there's always that calculus moving in the back of his head so i'm not gonna say he's not he wasn't the right guy for the angels no and so i think you saw that for the players like hey this is not working what the formula he is bringing to our team does not fit. He's clearly been successful before with the Rays and the Cubs, but he had that opportunity to say, hey, I have the pieces and the variables that I need to put this equation together. Whether or not he didn't have that in Los Angeles, he still stuck to that formula. Right, and it didn't work because, okay, first of all, we'll talk about the
0: Rays because I don't think I've met a more smarter franchise as resources they have and what they get out of them. When the Tampa Bay Rays come calling, you run. You run and you run quick. They traded Blake Snell. They they gave Archer t- to me. I, I Somebody should look into the Pittsburgh Pirates. They've traded away Austin Meadows and Glasnow. Now, they're both hurt. Okay. They gave Clay Holmes to the Yankees. The guy has a .33 ERA right now. He's the closer for the Yankees. I don't care when Aroldis Chapman comes back. I don't care if this is his last year of free agency. That's it with Chapman as the Yankee closer. But the Rays do something different, and I think it played out bad for the Yankees in 2020 when they tried to get cute, and they tried to use David Garcia as an opener. Then brought in Hap. It does not work. You're not the Rays, dude. You're the Yankees.
1: The Rays know who they are. Right. They know what they have to do. They bring in the managers that are going to do it. And it's wild to me that they can maintain such success with what they got. But you see other franchises trying to pull that off as well. You can. You see some franchises that are seeing it and still disagreeing with it. Some you know mid-market teams like what the Reds are doing where they, they are still stuck in that bubble between, hey, do we dial it back and perform like the athletics and the Rays? Or do we try and go out and sign some guys and, and bump up our market? But... It's crazy, yeah. I mean, listen—if I was a team, the GM of a team, and the
0: Ra- obviously they would never call an AL East team, but if the if I'm a GM in the National League or anywhere else, and the Rays come calling, you better hang up that phone because they know something that you don't know, yeah. and they're going to get the better end of the deal nine times nine point eight times out of ten, they're going to get you on a trade. It's, you, it's remarkable.
1: You got to be paranoid when the Rays GM comes up on caller ID, because no. it works out. Whatever they brought in, they're able to flip it. Because how close were the like you alluded to? How close were the Pittsburgh Pirates to having an amazing team? Like you mentioned, Glass now Meadows. They had McCutcheon. They had uh, that you know so many good players. They tried to bring in Archer. I don't think that was quite a good fit. No. But the Pirates to me reminded me of the marlins when they had ozuna and yelich and stands like they were so close. close and just as those young franchises they feel like they got to dump all these good players which is what the rays did with snell right but the rays seem to be able to pull the trigger just at the right time right
0: right no and and i think that the rays are always going to be there no matter what i to me I think Cash is the best manager in baseball because he's, unlike Madden, he knows what he has. And I think it was also a little bit of bad luck for Madden because, okay, think about it this way. You had that Cubs team in 16, you had a lot of fun guys, right? You had Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Contreras, Aroldis Chapman, who, my God, I, I just think in, in key moments, he, he's he's not very good. You're thinking the Rajay Davis home run? The Rajay Davis home run, <laughs> right? This, why, don't get me started with how he hung a breaking ball to, to Altuve in game seven where they go to the World
1: Series when he has Jake Marisnik on deck. I think Man. Chapman's great. That home run was sus though. Yeah. If we're talking about the Astros cheating, scandals, and all that, I remember watching that game live and I saw him throw that breaking ball outside to Altuve and he pulls it opposite. And I'm even watching, it's like, how, how did he hit that? As much as and Chapman, when you can see it on his face, he's like What just happened? That on? was a good pitch. And I'm, i I was I watched that pitch. I saw it coming in. It's like, oh he's got him. And how Tube just lined it up perfectly and that was where I was like And then he's saying don't rip off my
0: jersey. Yeah. And, you know what's crazy? Not one and I think this is where Rob Manfred is an absolute joke. I think he's a joke. I was actually nice to him the first episode, but the more and more I thought about it when I left the studio that day I was like, Why was I being nice to that guy? He's a joke. He called it a piece of metal like we talked about. Not one player got suspended. Not one. Okay, A.J. Hinch got suspended. The GM got suspended. He'll never get another job again in Major League Baseball. But Hinch is in the depths of despair in Detroit. I thought Detroit was going to be good this year. They're not. Um, But I think they're going to get better. I think that really put a stain on baseball is it's just, hey, man, you can cheat. Get away with it. It's just a piece of metal.
1: Manfred thought his priority was, hey, I'm going to give these players amnesty to get to the bottom of this and make sure it's not another steroid era where this issue is penetrating the rest of the game and we lose the entire sport. Right. I understand that intention but it did not play out well you have to at least be able to bargain with the players to say hey you get this level of suspension or is a or you're all getting this level of suspension here's a reduced sentence for your cooperation not complete amnesty i know it's like you know it's it's like when the mafia flips on one another hey
0: we don't give you any jail time just tell us what happened you know but they were the ones that were actually doing it which is an absolute joke, but you know, we could go on and on about, about Rob Manfred. But my question to you is who's the next manager gone?
1: I have it in my mind. I'm I'm curious for your opinion. I'm going to say it's going to be in Cincinnati. Really? And, and manager David Bell, just because again, you got to have a fall guy because the team is struggling. They've put so much investment into their front office and they're, so invested in those analytics and the guys that they brought in. The real solution is for the team to be sold. But the easy solution is to bring in a new manager. Who do you think that manager is? That they bring in? Yeah. I have an idea. I'm gonna say it's Joe Madden just because if they are really? if they are so deep into these analytics and he's now available it's like hey that will fix it we'll line up all these pieces of a winning formula according to our calculus i feel like that's going to be somewhat of an impulsive move that they're they're going to bring in like a guy like joe madden and then they're going to trade joey vado at the trade deadline to uh the blue jays for like alejandro kirk
0: is that kind of anomaly or what kirk yeah, he's, he's like five three. He's so much fun to watch. He is. He's hitting three hundred. He's he, he gets on base all the time. He's like a little fat bowling ball running. No
1: offense. He's like a little fat bowling ball running around, and the guy just gets on base. Or the uh, catcher for the Marlins, stu- I can't. I can never pronounce his name. I I don't know. Like uh, his is yes. like the turtle. Yeah. Those guys are just like they are an exception to the rule of athleticism. I love it. And as Sean Casey said with like Alejandro Kirk, he only barrels balls. He does.
0: <laughs> it's amazing. If I saw that guy up to bat and I'm Garrett Cole and I'm like, dude, I'm gonna blow this guy away, and it, that's not happening, man. This guy's he's got pop. He's got pop. He sees a lot of pitches. I guarantee you guys, he will be the all-star catcher this year. Maybe not starting. Getting back to what we were talking about. Switching gears back to who's the next manager to get fired and i hope it doesn't happen but i think it's gonna is mattingly um i think he's gonna be the fall guy like you alluded to only because listen we know they have the bets the you know pablo lopez sandy Alcantara, all those guys they're they're lights out They're one run games it's it's terrible it's got to be it is bottom of the baseball and bottom in baseball but i think that He's going to be the fall guy because he didn't manage the bullpen good enough. I love Mattingly. I love what he said to Derek Jeter when Jeter first came in. He said, "Listen, man, at any point you want to fire me, don't don't be bashful. Don't keep me here because we're friends. If I'm not doing a good job, you tell me." Um, and I think that takes guts. You know, a lot of guys are a lot of guys get butt hurt too easily today. Who do I think the next manager for the Cincinnati Reds is going to be if he takes it? joe espada i think he deserves a spot uh i think he deserves his shot he's interviewed for the yankees the astros he was third base coach he's you know he's he's dusty baker's you know bench general right now i think i think you guys would be lucky to get joe
1: espada i think anybody would i don't think joe espada would be lucky to get us though yeah i think if you're going to talk about the marlins changing their regiment then i would think that that's where i would rather him go because the, i can see the marlins putting together a team that is going to give him the opportunity to improve and grow right. with the team with the reds it's again there is a foundational issue that it's not a matter of what big name you're going to sign it's not a matter of what manager you're going to bring in there is an overall structural issue with that team that is not going to be solved by a new manager
0: i know and it, and it's you know it's unfortunate man because you know the reds are such a proud franchise i've been to games there it's awesome you know it's a great atmosphere you know what's the street where all the bars are on right before you hit the stadium it's like a long strip i don't know there's vine street which is where most of the things are yes vine street i mean it's awesome everybody's nice come on in have a drink so i think there's a lot there where they can improve but it's the owner and you know like we alluded to earlier unfortunately this guy's all about money it sounds like you know, and he made some really dumb comments that he's going to move the the franchise. That'll never happen.
1: That wasn't Bob. That was his son, Phil, who was the COO. Phil. Okay. And just because, obviously, I am in a little bit of connected with that inner circle, so I wouldn't want anything that I'm saying is, you know, get on board with the sale of the team, Bob. No. But I have seen a little bit behind the curtain, and I love Bob Castley. I love his wife. They're great people. They treat me so well. That's great. Uh, the Castellini family in general. We have very good rapport with. And I don't, I don't think it's entirely about money, but I think where they invest that money is a little bit misguided. And I've seen that for since 2015, yeah. where it's a lot about the bobbleheads. It's renovating the ballpark to make it more fan friendly, and ultimately, the voice you're hearing from the fans is, we don't care about the gimmicks. We don't care about. The seating, the bars, we just want a winning team. Right, And they've tried to patch that together and get some good names on paper like Moustakis and Castellanos. And then they get behind and they got to trade some homegrown guys that the fans were excited about, like Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. I just think the direction they take doesn't quite line up with the market that Cincinnati has. So again, I love the Castellinis as people. I think they have the best intentions It's just the same way Joe Batten was going to work out with the Los Angeles. There's just a dynamic that it's not going to work out with that ownership group to rebuild and continue to succeed the way that city wants them to.
0: Well, listen, I, you know, I'm not a fan of the Cincinnati Reds, obviously, but I hope they get it together. You know, I hope they break the ship. Um, It's such a proud franchise that's, you know, won a lot of championships, the big red machine. So, and I think they will. I think, I think time will tell and hopefully they get it together. But, you know, switching gears now to football, you know, we talked about it in the first episode, the machine, the machine that prints money is the NFL. And I have a huge problem. Now, listen, I always mean my friends. They're diehard Dolphin fans. I'm a diehard Jet fan. We always say this, bad teams stay bad for a reason. And it starts at the top, right? From the ownership down to the GM, down to the head coach. Now, for the Cleveland Browns, I love Kevin Stefanski. Not to mention, not for nothing, that's a good-looking dude. Great beard, <laughs> salt-and-pepper beard, you know, took the Browns to the playoffs. Should have beat Kansas City in Kansas City, but didn't. But then they go out, and and listen, Baker is no, the guy's not lighting the world on fire. I get it. But they go trade for Deshaun Watson before any ruling was made. Hand him $240 million guaranteed dollars, something astronomical crazy like that. They still got Baker on the payroll for, I think it's his fifth year, so this is what, $18 million, something along those lines. They give up three first-round picks, and now another accuser comes out. And now it came out that the Texans, they weren't assisting, but they had all these girls in the Texans facility sign NDAs, and there were 66 women. Now another accuser came out. (laughs) What on God's earth is Cleveland thinking of trading for this guy right when this is all about to come out.
1: Is that not a Cleveland move though? It is. There are certain franchises you alluded to, bad teams stay bad. There's certain well, things didn't. that, what happened to the New York Mets is when, uh, what was it, two seasons ago it's like Noah Syndergaard got foot and mouth disease or gift shop got caught on fire. There's just certain things like, you know, of like, course How? that happens to the Mets. Right. It's not surprising but for, when they were trying to off Deshaun Watson, I was thinking like, the Browns will probably pick him up just because that's a very Brownie thing to do. Really? You <laughs> called it. You I, thought he... I wasn't like trying to make that prediction. I'm just thinking if he's going to go anywhere. Like there was a news about the Dolphins just because we were in search of a quarterback. Right. But I was just think like the Browns are very capable of making that mistake.
0: Right. And and my buddy, my buddy who's a diehard Browns fan, he just said it. The Browns are going to brown, man.
1: <laughs> you know. That's why Baker Mayfield fits in there so well. He's not necessarily going to take him to the next level, but he's got that energy that the Browns fans will just eat up.
0: I don't <laughs> understand how. And when this trade happened, I said to myself, the Browns must know something that we don't know. And it comes to find out the Browns knew squat.
1: The Browns were less paying attention than we were.
0: Right. And, you know, their owner, Jimmy Haslam, this is a guy who's been under a lot of scrutiny, used to own part of the Steelers. Then he bought the team. He owned Flying J. Then the Flying J had a scandal with, uh, I don't know, rebates or something. So the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Now, I, I, you know who I do feel bad for this? I don't feel bad for Baker Mayfield. To me, I think Baker is, he's okay, man. I think he talks a lot, but he doesn't really pack it up. And I think he has the Mark Sanchez syndrome where they coddled him. Oh, it's okay, Mark. Is everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you want to do, we'll do it. This guy's on commercials. This guy's, you know, he's out there in the spotlight. Um. I feel bad for the for the Cleveland fans because can you imagine trading for a Pro Bowl quarterback? We know how good Deshaun Watson is. You're giving up three first-rounders, sign him to this deal that was just ridiculous, not knowing what the outcome is. And now, guess what, guys? Probably not going to happen. Where do the Cleveland fans go from here? I just think they're like, you know what?
1: cleveland man they go back in the closet they get their brown paper bag hats (laughs) right they'll still show up but they know they're gonna be like just left in this misery it's just a sort of like say la vie moment where it's like yeah this is the life of being a browns fan because you're Right. right they gave up their first round picks they gave up their immediate future right they've teed off their franchise at the time quarterback the first quarterback they've had as a mainstay in the past what two decades and now you may not have any quarterback at all because Deshaun Watson certainly isn't showing up, and Baker Mayfield shouldn't show up. I think, yeah, I think it's just one of those things that the fans maybe that they're just going to go to the Cavaliers and you know more of the Guardians, but the Guardians have a little something going on. It's just such a tough division, but Cleveland always has at least one team that's going to keep them afloat.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent.
1: And I think you know I think this is a
0: disastrous outcome for the Cleveland Browns organization again. And I think teams are only going to get better if they're led at the helm by a smart man. Now, Woody Johnson, from everything I read and hear, he's actually a good guy. And he tries to do the best. But the Jets are going to jet, man. And I was really pumped for Robert Sala. I think he's a really, really energetic guy young guy good looking my god these head coaches now they're they're all they could all be models you know with the exception of belichick he looks like an old glove but i think it's going to take a lot to fix these organizations look at the dolphins this is a dolphin. we live in a dolphin town dolphins are good this is a dolphin town but i think they're going to have some trouble with Tua. left left-handed quarterbacks never bode well name me three good lefty quarterbacks i can name you
1: two that's it well three sorry Left handed razzle dazzle style quarterback. Vic, Brunel, and Steve Young. All three of those are anomalies as far yeah. as just being good functional wholesome quarterbacks. Whereas Tua, you've got a guy that can't see over the front line, a guy that at the NFL level cannot scramble as well.
0: That doesn't work. Unless you're Drew Brees. Again, that's an anomaly.
1: You know, and speaking
0: of Drew Brees, my man got kicked off the booth. He was pretty bad, pretty boring. <laughs> you know, and I think he went in there and he said, you know what? This is easy. This is broadcasting. I could just go in there and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so they gave him the boot. Let me ask you this, Bobby. Have you
1: watched the Mannings on Monday night? I did twice. Did the first time to see what it was about. I did the second time to give him another chance. It's goofy.
0: <laughs> but it's, you know what it is? To me, it's like two brothers just
1: fighting with each other. That part is fun. but I like that. But the, it, the Mannings, to me, even just throughout their career, were just so cheesy in their commercials sometimes. They are like, I, uh, it's like watching The Office. Sometimes it's just cringeworthy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whenever whenever Eli Manning spoke,
0: it's like you caught him off guard, like George W. Bush. He's like, hey. Well, hey. You know, it's like it always caught that guy off guard. But the guy's a legend in New York, man. Won two Super Bowls, beat Brady both times. So you can't really knock the guy for his play. But, you know, it is kind of cheesy what the Mannings do on ESPN2, but I love it. Some of it's funny, man. You know, I, I
1: like how they just roast each other. And it wor- I think it worked well with the Mannings more so than what baseball is trying to duplicate with, like, Alex Rodriguez and David Ortiz Just still having that, like, kind of buddy clubhouse. Get Sean Casey in there. Get someone that's going to keep the game alive for me, not be so, right. like, overly charismatic. But, again, like, we talked about the managers having bad fits for franchises. Do you think that Drew Brees is just a victim of this gold rush for what's resulted from Tony Romo as, like, charismatic previous quarterbacks that know and can break down the game and it worked out really well for what CBS and Tony Romo and yep. now every other Jim network Nance. is like we got to go get that next guy
0: well here's the deal with Romo okay I'm a little biased he's Italian he's got a personality Drew Brees is like a dead fish and and you know I think Romo broke down that 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 so-called barrier of I'm going to use my football wit and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Which is, I mean, the guy is, to me, I think he's going to leave the booth one day and become a head coach. And it wouldn't surprise me if it was the Dallas Cowboys. He, he broke down those, those barriers of, you know, we're not just stupid football players. I actually know what I'm talking about. And his personality is great. I mean, he laughs on there. He says, you know, funny things. And I think it's the perfect compliment to Jim Nance because Jim Nance is so prim and proper. How, how he gets in there and he goes, from the Masters, a tradition unlike any other. And then you have Tony Romo, who's like making jokes. And so I think they balance each other out really well. But I think Drew Brees had a lot going against him. He has no personality. He didn't have a, you know, you need a partner who's yin and yang, kind of like you and I when it came to the movies. I'm an all gangster movie guy. And you're very, you know, you like the prestige, which is a good movie. But I, I, you know, that wouldn't be my top five. But I really think that I'm intrigued to see Brady, man, Hunter, you know, that big deal he signed. What if he stinks? Then what?
1: Then he goes back to his beautiful wife and his I know. career promoting Uggs. I, know. <laughs> does he I still, know. Does he still have that deal? I remember when that happened. I, I was in going to school in Boston, and they put this building-sized, one of those long banners that just stretches the whole length of a building on the backside of one of the dorms at Boston University right over Fenway Park. So every time you're leaving Fenway Park, you just see this giant Tom Brady wearing Uggs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, that guy could promote. He could, he mm-hmm. could, he could promote
1: Brussels sprouts, and everybody would buy. You know, I mean, this, he's getting into it too. He's got to figure out. He's do, well, He's got Hertz. He's got Subway. He's he's figuring he's out that all, charisma.
0: Man. He's got he. This this okay. Besides him and Jeter, name me two other guys who have just done everything perfect. The beautiful wife, the money, the rings, the the you know, they're never. When have you heard anything bad in the media about Jeter and Brady? You haven't. Maybe to the mm-hmm. Flakegate. They get by with it, though. We're talking about a couple of footballs, dude. Those things could have been five pounds or two pounds. It's Tom Brady. He's going to go to work. He's going to pick you apart. To
1: so that point, and not to get too off track, but I just noticed something that happened the other day with the NBA finals. Yeah. Is the Golden State Warriors stopped their warm-up to tell the floor manager that the bas- they thought the basketball hoop was too high. But they were taking their warm up and it's like this this hoop isn't at ten feet, and they went to check it was an inch and a half too high. When you're that good at your craft and you know it's like like I should be making these shots and they're just a little short. Right. So for these professionals to be like that's not quite right for Tom Brady to say like oh he just went to working through football he's you throw enough footballs I'm sure you know what a football is supposed to feel like and how it's what much supposed to be inflated
0: probably. But that's Belichick, man. That's Belichick. And, you know, I don't want to get too far off the subject either. But there's this guy for the Patriots. He's since retired. His name's Ernie Adams. Nobody knows what he did. They just knew he was there. This guy, when they played Baltimore in the playoffs a few years back, he knows how to bend the rules. He knows how to just get on that precipice of breaking a rule. But then, I mean, this he's retired. He's, he's old. His name's Ernie Adams. And I really believe that that was his ace in the hole. To Belichick, I mean this guy. We'll, we'll 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 bring him up down the road, but this guy is like a mythic figure in Foxborough. I guarantee, if you ask most Patriot fans who Ernie Adams is, they're going to be like, "Who?" Trust me, this guy's the Consigliere to Belichick.
1: He's a, he's the man behind the curtain. He
0: is, and it's crazy. He just looks like a nerd. He's got a mustache. Uh, he's got glasses as thick as this microphone. But anyways, you know, getting back to what we were talking about, you know, I think all this is positive, man, since since COVID. I mean, look, you know, 2020, we couldn't talk about any of this stuff. 2020, we we're talking about how are we going to survive? What if I get COVID? What if he gets COVID? What if she gets COVID? What if my grandma gets COVID? You know, and I think it's important now that there's treatment for it. Um, I think it's important now that, you know, we're finally getting back to normal, you know, and I think it's going to get even better. So that's where, that's my stand on it.
1: I just appreciate the year and a half I had of people not asking me how tall I was. Because <laughs> <laughs> social distancing is like, oh, stay away from me. Don't don't talk to me. Well, tell everybody, how always, tall are you? I'm 6'8". And I don't play basketball. And the weather up here is absolutely the same as yours. And <laughs> all, all the generic <laughs> questions. And everybody comes up to me thinking they're going to say something profound. Or ask me how tall I am as if they're going to go home and tell their family later that night. They're not. Leave tall people alone. Yeah. It's, it's fine if it's like I'm in the supermarket and you can't reach the top shelf and you need help. After that, go about your day.
0: Wow. <laughs> See, and, and that's a great point of you bringing, bringing up you being tall. There's a documentary that you guys have to watch. Maybe you have seen it. Are you a WWF guy? Uh, not really. Bobby? Which one? The wrestling or the wildlife? Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. Like It's WWE now, right? Yeah. Okay, so... They did this documentary on Andre the Giant. It is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It's on HBO, and you know they they show you the how big his hands were and how big a, a regular person's hands were. And they said in the documentary that this world wasn't made for him. And how does that how does that affect you? Do you think this world being six eight is made for a six eight person?
1: I took to a statistics class in college, and one of the uh, first little factoids that he presented to the class because he would always come in the he would start the class with hey here's a interesting fact about the world right and one thing he said in like the, one of the first three classes was that the average door frame height in america <laughs> is six seven and a half <laughs> just right there enough at any door frame, just like it's an involuntary reaction at this point the door frame could be 20 feet tall i'm still just doing a little duck underneath it and it's true like i i've changed the rules that there's a, a music park in cincinnati called king's island yeah, I've changed the rules on two different rides because I got stuck in a seat.
0: <laughs> now, now let me ask you because I'm really intrigued. What does your dad say? Is he like, man, six eight?
1: His joke is always if somebody approaches me, asks me about my height, his joke always comes in like, "Well, I was that tall when I started catching." <laughs> That's cool, man. Uh, you know, and
0: and you know, we were we were talking about documentaries. This week, we're going to talk about movies that that have recently came out or new documentaries or Netflix. This is a segment of the show, the the M part in MSRP, where we talk about movies. Well, let me start with this. The first time I really experienced death was when I was eight years old when Goose died. Okay. When Goose died, a part of me died. That was the first time I ever watched in film where somebody, and it was so dramatic. The original Top Gun, when Goose died, was like, oh my God, Goose is dead, what are we going to do? I was eight. I didn't know what the hell I, you know, but I was really depressed when goose died. So anyways, the new top gun Maverick might be, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. The best sequel to any movie ever. It what did you, have you guys seen it? No,
1: I haven't had a chance to see it.
0: Okay. And then we'll get into your movie or show, dude, this was amazing. Absolutely amazing. The special effects. Jerry Bruckheimer said, Hey, you're gonna see some stuff you've never seen before. And let me tell you something. We did. Miles Teller plays um Goose's son. He looked like Goose. He act Anthony Edwards was the actor. He looked like Anthony Edwards. And it was they they recreated scenes where you know he's playing at the piano like he did in Top Gun. He's singing Great Balls of Fire. I mean, all around just a great movie. And Tom Cruise, man. That guy's going to, I don't even know how old he is. He's got to be close to 60. If he's not 60, he's going to die doing what he loves, though. Dude, the guy doesn't age. No. So I, I highly suggest everybody goes out. You got to go to the movies. Don't watch this one on TV. Uh, see Top Gun Maverick. John Hamm was great. He was the admiral who really hated Maverick. I thought he did a phenomenal job. Jennifer Connolly, she's the love interest. She still got it, man. No work done to her nothing just aging naturally as my wife puts it and guys go see it i don't want to tell you i'm not
1: going to give any more spoilers this week but it was phenomenal it was phenomenal even just to watch them behind the scenes to see how they repaired because even watch the trailer you can't green screen some of the stuff they were doing and i realized that these actors went through grueling flight training whereas they're not flying the planes right. i understand but they're in the back seat controlling their own cameras. Like they are directing their scenes in these fighter jets. And the what they had to go through, that level of commitment, uh, you know, not only to representing a historic character like Goose, but also to be able to put your body through that to be able to accomplish that feat of what this movie required. I'm I'm genuinely excited, like you said, I want to go into the movie theater where I'm gonna hear all the sound effects, see the full size jet out in front of me. Previews
0: were good too. A lot of good movies coming out so and then the last thing is it works out well for this movie because guess what we're in a conflict with russia again the original top gun conflicts with russia so the russia is the enemy again in this movie and i was reading that the air force expects to see a really big increase in people who want to commit to be becoming in the air force so you know that movie not only had a positive impact on if you're a top gun fan you're gonna love it but i also you know, in the Air Force, a lot of people are weary of the military these days of uh, joining. That's for another day, another story. But man, if this doesn't bring an increase, I don't know what's going to because it was awesome. How about you?
1: you? I mean, it got me hooked as a kid. I remember watching Top Gun and thinking like, oh, I could be a fighter pilot. No, I was too tall. I was 14 years old. I went to the Air Force <laughs> Museum. I sat in a cockpit, no leg room. It's like, I'm still growing. This isn't going to work out for me. They're
0: like, no, nah, no, nah, sorry, sir. You're 6'8". You can't yeah. do it. I think it's going to be... I think they're going to come out with a third one. I hope they do. I don't know how you're going to top that one, but we'll see. How about you? What's your uh, movie slash show slash documentary for the week i've been
1: traveling so much that i haven't had a chance to go sit in a theater but being on the planes and getting the in-flight experience one movie i did have a chance to get around to which is you know kind of a reboot or sequel that it's like you know we tried this it didn't work why should i go out and see this next rendition ghostbusters afterlife oh god was it good fantastic really yes it is the sequel that I think the fans didn't ask for, but they deserve. Nothing against getting into, uh, you know, guy versus girl reboots, renditions of classics. I think it was just, it was agreeable that it overall, no matter who was the gender of the lead cast, wasn't a great movie, um, what they did with the reboot recently. But Ghostbusters Afterlight is not only taking that darker approach, like what Batman uh, did recently, but it really gets into a more of like a kind of almost a horror story with some comic relief, which is what a modern day Ghostbuster should be, but still pays tribute to the original cast who is also in it. And not to give too many spoilers, but also uh, the one actor who played Egon who had passed away about 10 years ago, I think it was. Yes. It's a, it's a nice tribute to him as well, where he's still included in the film and it's still a great. Transition from the classics into a modern sequel that is just—it's very wholesome and it's good for the next generation of fans for that franchise. Wow, well,
0: gonna have to check it out. So, Ghostbusters Afterlife, Top Gun Maverick, those are our, our suggestions for the week. Before we close the show out, um, each week we're going to do a tie it on special. Meaning, would this guy time went on, have a couple drinks at his age now and at his age. In his 30s, 40s, whatever. Last week, we did Kurt Russell. We both said that Escape from New York, Kurt Russell, three-day bender. Now Kurt Russell, five-hour shift, two to seven, have a couple belts, go home, see Goldie. Our nominee of would he tie it on this week, (laughs) he may sit on the throne of tying it on, is John Daly. We were in pre-show. Bobby, tell me, tell me what you told me, what he did a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah, it was the golf event he played a couple of weeks ago. There was a tweet that came out about what John Daly ingested over the course of 18 holes. And it was 21 Diet Cokes, three king-size pack of M&Ms, two pack of cigarettes, and zero ounces of water. And I would he's... have a heart attack. <laughs> I can't imagine that kind of day. I'm at a point now I was like, I can't imagine having two Diet Cokes in a given week. That's unbelievable. And,
0: you know, he's a legend. He is a social media, like, legend. And I don't even think he he knows it where he wants to be. 22 Diet Cokes, you said?
1: I, some, I know it's in the 20s. It was more Diet Cokes than Round of Holes. Okay. My buddies
0: went to the Masters. He was just up in Augusta. He was just sitting there at a Hooters, you know, ripping cigs, getting wasted. And we're going to play a clip for you guys later on where, where he... Uh, <laughs> He talks about getting hammered on the golf course and, you know, drinking on the tour. What do you think his liver says to him or his kidneys? Like, dude, come on, man. Like, you got to chill out. We're going on 22 Diet Cokes, three packs of cigs, three packs of large. You, the king size peanuts or regular? I was told king size. King size. Dude, that's a lot. Okay. So would he tie it up? We all know the answer. Oh, for
1: sure. I mean, are Here, we talking about Back then, anywhere. Doesn't matter. I think he should. I don't know how much of it is just so much of a natural personality that he's comfortable with and he's brandable because that is who he is. Or do you think he kind of becomes his own meme where he steers into the skid and even his son is just like, yeah, this is what our family does? Oh, I think he, I think I, there's, it's all authentic.
0: I think it's as real as real can get, man. You know, and hopefully we'll have him on the show one day and he could tell us some of those stories. But I will tell you this. That guy is a legend. Imagine playing eighteen holes with him. Just just randomly go, hey, let's go on a golf course. How many beers is he down in?
1: More than I can afford.
0: Right. <laughs> so if he can drink twenty two Diet Cokes, there's no problem where he can drink at least 30 beers.
1: How often would you play professional
0: golf hungover? A lot. I shot some really good numbers. <laughs> Did I mean, you? I wasn't drinking on tour, but there were some times uh, on tour that I didn't sober up to about the 13th hole, 13th or 14th hole. So uh, you were basically drunk w- when you were playing? Yeah, you get in at 7, 7.30 in the morning. I got a tee time at 8.05 or 9 o'clock.
1: Has he signed up for the LIV golf yet? Oof. The Saudi-backed? I as much as so. they're going after guys like, you know, DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson, who are still good brands for what fits in either a PGA model or that model of golf. Like how is John Daly, not the commissioner of <laughs> LIV? How, how is he not just like the chairman of the board on that course leading oh. that fast paced, loud, enjoyable, energetic crowd that they're going for ripping SIGs. He would just, Oh, he would be, he would be the best commissioner in the history of that
0: tournament i don't care who who you're gonna bring you know and it's it's funny you mention that the pga tour is like like we talked about they're like the mafia man they suspended all those guys but how are you and if i'm dustin johnson and they say hey dj we'll give you 125 mil to come play a few tournaments on here uh yeah
1: when when's the flight leave yeah are you are you really going to where you got your master's jacket you got a few majors under your belt and now you've got a hundred some million dollars in the you're, bank. You're married to a smoke show. Yeah. So what was, uh? this it reminded me of a moment where I used to work at a place called the Green Diamond Gallery, which was an old privately owned baseball collection turned into a museum. And we'd have monthly speaking engagements where we bring in hall of famers or other dignitaries and personalities from throughout the sport. And one time we had Jose Canseco. Oh boy. And there was, you could tell there was tension on the crowd of like what how's this going to go what are we going to talk about yeah we already had a corner of the museum called the wall of shame which featured canseco's jersey and it's right behind him on the stage so everybody had so much tension what's going to happen what kind of questions can we ask him he goes up on stage the first thing he says like all right let's get to it i took steroids i made hundreds of millions of dollars i was banging madonna I don't care. There's a certain point was it's like, hey, I have all these other great luxuries in my life. Am I really concerned about the pedigree right. of this other organization? So for guys that are going to the LIV tours, you know, maybe it's the guys that don't think they're going to get that number one ranking again. Maybe it's the guys that don't think they can make the cut consistently to deal with the scrutiny of the PGA tour. Well, but if, it, it, to that same effect, it's like, hey, I got a beautiful wife. I got a $100 million contract offer. I already got my green jacket. Let's go have fun. Why not? Why the hell not? I would that'd be the first. Yeah. When's the flight leave? Let's roll.
0: You know, so we'll see down the road what really happens, you know. I'm really curious to see. How it affects their ratings and how it affects, you know, if those guys want to come back.
1: So Do you think it's going to be a, one of those kind of generational gaps where you have the older, more groomed, more etiquette? specific generation of golfers to say hey you got to be quiet on the course you got to wear your collared shirt tucked in and you got this new young generation of golfers that want to go out we see it here at the honda classic between the bear trap oh yeah no one's watching golf no one cares about the etiquette of the sport they're just they want to party you see it on what is it the 16th hole at the waste management yes there's this next generation that they just want to have fun even the there's still a divide there's still gonna be some young guys that want to go into it i was watching the college golf championship and there was the guy that had the black slacks tucked in, white polo shirt, school hat, very cleaned, very well groomed. He was playing against this kid from Pepperdine who's got what looks like tennis shoes, high socks, untucked shirt, buck- bucket hat. <laughs> Love it. Love yeah. it. That's just the contrast to golfers. There's the people that want the modern golf, the accessibility, the energy, the socialization of it. I'm sure there's people that say, hey, this is still a a gentleman's sport that we want to be able to go and have some respectability around it. Well, here's where I think the difference is. I think the USFL
0: and the NFL, we all knew the USFL was going to fold. There's a huge difference. Is it 54 or is it LIV? Somebody said it was 54. Like it's Um, the the number 54 of the LIV tournament or whatever.
1: I think it's, yeah, I don't think it's Roman numerals. I think it's supposed to be L.I.V.
0: L.I.V. Okay. So here's the difference. It's backed by the Saudis, man. They don't run out of money. You could try to bankrupt them. Good luck. They'll bankrupt you. This isn't a business model. It's a well-funded gimmick. Exactly. So I think the PGA is trembling in their shorts, man. I really do. I think they're like, okay. I heard they offered Tiger a billion dollars to come. He said no.
1: You don't think so? Do you think he ever would? Do no. you think there's a point in his career where he's not old enough for the Legends Tour? He's not physically fit enough for the PGA Tour? No, he's old school. I I already thought, though, that him getting that monster sponsorship... like He's carrying around a monster energy golf bag. I thought that was already off-brand for him.
0: I think he's towards the end of his rope, um, obviously, with age and his deterioration. But I would really like someday to spend some time on Tiger because... Is, is there a more polarizing athlete in our generation than this guy? Tom
1: Brady's up there. Tom Brady's up there. But Tom Brady, Giselle never came out with a golf club. Has not quite had the big personal scandal. He had plenty of on-field scandals. Right. But not
0: quite the personal I'm saying, scandal. yeah, personal life. So that's for another day, another story. We're going to get into that. Uh, guys, we have a special guest for you next week. We're not going to tell you who it is. Like I said, we wanted to do this first show, just us talking so you guys get it. To know a little bit about the show. And thank you guys. I thought this was an awesome show
1: today. Like we said, it's only going to get better. Yeah. I think it's a lot more polished than the first time. First time is just fumbling around, figuring ourselves out and full speed ahead. Yep, full speed ahead. And I
0: think the title of the first show we're going to say, What the hell are we doing? So when you guys go on to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, you'll see the MSRP. Uh episode one, What the Hell Are We Doing? Go ahead and throw us a subscribe. We're going to have a lot of good guests for you guys. And we can't wait to do this next week. We'll see you guys then.